0: Welcome to Radio Free Utopia, the podcast about global LGBTI human rights. I'm Ian Lekas, and I'm your guide to the creative, resilient work happening all around the world to make our communities more LGBTI-affirming and inclusive. Today, we head to Moscow to talk with Irene, an intersex activist from Russia and Ukraine. Now, in recent years, many LGBT organizations have been adding an I for intersex to their list of letters. Indeed, outside the United States, LGBTI is increasingly the default label, even though U.S. groups have been slower to adopt it. But for many people used to discussing sexual orientation and gender identity, intersex issues are relatively new. So I thought I would begin Radio Freak Utopia's exploration of the I in LGBTI by talking with Irene, whom I met here in Washington, D.C. earlier this year. Before we jump into that conversation, just a few reminders. Please follow Radio Freak Utopia on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's Irene. Today, I am speaking with Irene, who is going to speak with us about intersex activism in Russia. Um, Fortunate enough to have this conversation while she is in Moscow. Uh, Irene, would you go ahead and introduce yourself?
1: Uh, Yes, of course. Hi. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Irene, I'm 24 years old, and I'm an intersex activist from Russia and Ukraine.
0: I mean, I was struck by, you know, there's the great you know, piece you wrote about how you discovered you were intersex from a BuzzFeed video. Could you tell us about that? Oh,
1: yes, of course. Like, oh, it's a crazy story about how I discovered that I'm intersex. Like, um, literally, it was, from a BuzzFeed video that was created along with an American organization called Interact Youth. And later that year I got to meet some people from that actual organization and actually they invited me to join them and I got to write my story for them which was very rewarding because I really wanted to thank them for the way they changed my life.
0: Great. So t- tell, tell us about just sort of like what it was like to watch this video.
1: Okay, so if anybody doesn't know, the term intersex refers to experiences of people born with sex characteristics that don't fit the typical definitions of male or female bodies. Mm-hmm. And it covers about 40 different biological variations, so it can mean a lot of things. And many people might not know that they're intersex because it may not be apparent or the truth may be hidden from them, like it was for me. For years, the truth about my body and like the medical interventions I received was kept secret from me on purpose, and I discovered it completely by accident when I was 22, almost 22, and it was absolutely the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) What was. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, okay. Uh, It all started in like my teenage years when. Everybody my age had hit puberty, and I didn't. And uh, I also had high testosterone levels, and no doctor could understand what to do with me. Like They were like, well, your puberty will start. You just have to wait, and it never did. And so they were like, mm, we're going to make your ovaries work, even though on the ultrasound, my ovaries didn't look like ovaries at all. And I never actually had ovaries. So they were like, we're going to make them work. So I got sent to these sessions where they would put some kind of electrodes on my belly. Like I would lay down and it all would warm them up to make them work. And later that year I got uh, appendicitis and had to have surgery for it. So I wouldn't die from the results of their experimental treatment on me. So yeah, there still were no results. So I went to doctors in Moscow and they did all the tests, but they never told me the truth. Mm-hmm. Like I was always left waiting in the corridor while, while my father who drove me to the doctors while he was invited in their office to speak with them and Nobody <laughs> told me the truth because I was given the typical, you know Cancer scare explanation as they as they often do with intersex people They would say that oh, there's something wrong with your ovaries. You will need surgery Like you will get hormones and you'll be okay. Like you're a normal girl. Like it's all okay. Uh, So yeah, I knew nothing for years. I had my gonadodectomy when I was 15, I was put on hormones, and for the next seven years, I didn't know anything about my body, and I was sinking more and more into depression, you know, because I thought that I'm biologically completely female, but I never developed like other girls, even in hormones, I never got much breast growth, so during those years I developed so much kind of shame and self-hatred for myself and my body, Mm -hmm. and so yeah, and then when I was 22, I was just, uh, couldn't sleep, no, no, Uh, so I saw that video in my subscription box on YouTube called, what it's like to be intersex, and I thought, hmm, intersex is probably some new gender identity, okay, whatever, and I didn't watch it. And it's, this could have been it. But uh, several like weeks or months ago uh, several weeks or months later on oh, sorry, I <laughs> don't forget English.
0: i don't know. You're doing great.
1: <laughs> okay, thanks. Uh, several like, weeks or months ago in the middle of the night I couldn't sleep, I was bored, had nothing to do and I stumbled upon this video again. I was like, okay, whatever. Let's watch it, let's check it out. And I was like Oh my God, it sounds kind of a little bit like me. I need to get my medical records. Because actually a couple of years before that, I saw that episode of the show House, where House found that his female patient had undescended testes. And I just randomly once mentioned that episode to my father and he was like, oh yeah, like you kind of had that, you had something like that. And I was so shocked that I couldn't even like reply to him. And then I watched this video. And I hear about those people being intersex. And I was like, this sounds kind of like me. And so I need to go to check-up to see a doctor soon anyway. So I called them. And I asked them several questions. And they uh, replied to all of them. And then I got my medical records that my father had kept all these seven years. And I discovered all the truth. That, for example, I have XY chromosomes, which are typically male. And nobody ever told me that and discovering the truth about my body was the best the most amazing thing i could ever imagine happening in my life like you know for the first time i felt that i'm not alone that i'm completely normal that not, that there is not only a word for people like me there are whole organizations there's a whole movement around the world and there are so many people who are talking about it I had no idea about it for years, it's so amazing, and uh, (laughs) it's just crazy thinking that, like, a BuzzFeed video that I saw by accident changed my life completely, and it was the best thing that happened to me in my life, and, like, literally, of course, I still do, and I will always have to deal with a lot of things that I developed during those seven years of secrecy, you know, a lot of shame and self hatred and issues but still I'm so much better now and my life is so much better and I've met so many amazing intersex people and my intersex activism have opened me up for so many amazing opportunities that I never could imagine my life being so amazing. So yeah, this is how kinda of the how the BuzzFeed video changed my life.
0: <laughs> I mean it's it's still amazing to think about sort of how a BuzzFeed video and even the House MD episode can have such profound impact on your life.
1: Yes, absolutely. And uh, yes, yeah, just this is why intersex awareness is so important. Because, like a couple of years ago, like in 2015, when I came into intersex activism, there were literally almost no information on the topic in Russian language. So, if I didn't speak English, I probably still wouldn't have not known the mm-hmm. truth.
0: I mean, that's a really important point about sort of the importance of, you know, what does access to the English language also provide?
1: Yes, of course.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm struck by how, you know, I've been, you know, I still feel like I'm learning about intersex, even though I've been doing gay and lesbian and bisexual stuff for 30 years and have been learning for 15 years, 20, almost, probably getting towards 20 years about gender identity and expression. But I still awesome. feel pretty new to working through, you know, and figuring how best to be a, an intersex ally.
1: Yes, definitely, and it's understandable because our movement is so young, and the probably the best explanation for that would be invisibilization, like literally for years and years, doctors have told us, and our parents do not talk about this, you know, you'll never meet anyone like you, so like, this kind of haven't existed before the internet, you know, and only when uh, the internet (laughs) was invented, like, in the 80s and 90s, people started finally connecting with each other and actually figuring out stuff and getting together and building a movement. So, of course, it is still young and there is so much less information about intersex issues than there is about LGBTQ issues. So, of course, it is understandable that even when people have like the best intentions and really want to help and learn, it's not that easy for them to get that knowledge.
0: Thank you. What? Um, how did you get connected to other intersex activists in Russia and around the world?
1: Mm, so, I used to be a part of uh, other... Russian intersex organization. Got to talk to some people online, and then I went to one intersex and trans related training in Russia. And in two thousand sixteen, then I went to an uh, intersex kind of conference, community event thing organized by Iglio in Budapest. And it was the first time that I met intersex people from other countries and. It's kinda of started from there and now I've met so many amazing people and been to so many events and it's still crazy to me, you know. All these people that are kinda of like celebrities to me, I'm actually talking to them. I'm sitting like on one at one table with them and they're actually listening to me and I'm kinda of one of them. It is insane, it's very <laughs> very nice feeling.
0: I, I suspect that it will not be long before somebody is having that reaction talking with you. <laughs>
1: Oh, I haven't thought about it this way.
0: Oh, it's uh, I look forward to sort of seeing more about the journey as it unfolds. Um, so who you know, how do you and you know other intersex activists in Russia sort of go about you know bringing awareness to intersex issues?
1: Uh, I would say that uh, me and my colleague with whom we co-founded our current organization Intersex Russia are the only active intersex, two active intersex activists who are living in Russia. Mm-hmm. Only two of us. And actually I can tell how I met her. Mm-hmm. Basically the first kind of activismish thing I did in 2015 was in Russia we do have this kind of social media page and website called Kids404, which refers to the error, you know, not mm. found 404 page. And it's like a support group for LGBT teenagers, where they can uh, send letters and get support from the comments. So I wrote a letter about my experience being intersex, and there were so many amazing comments. And then I got a letter from people from that page that like another intersex person connected with them and that she would like to meet me. So we met, we became friends. Mm-hmm. We actually were roommates for several months. And earlier this year, we founded our own intersex organization, which is awesome. So yeah, there literally isn't that much going on. For example, when I looked to America just yesterday, uh, Human Rights Watch right. together with Interact, published a huge amazing report against medically unnecessary surgeries on sex children in america and here in russia you know we're so far behind in so many things like just today i published our first video on our youtube channel just you know a regular intersex faq with basic information on the topic and it's the first video on intersex issues in Russian language created by intersex people ever so it's still amazing but still we are so far behind when it comes to uh, intersex movement because like, the things that we are doing we're doing talks public talks, interviews, trainings we have our own training for psychologists that my colleague uh, created I did the first ever research about lives of intersex people in russia and post-soviet region what else yeah we do translations we do like awareness stuff where are uh, providing support to people that we meet but there are very few people that we actually do meet because i would say that in russia first of all nobody knows the word intersex like mm-hmm. once i was doing a talk and somebody from the audience was like so what is intersex? it's about international sex Oh boy. I was like, <laughs> not exactly. So, yeah, people just don't know about that stuff. And I would say that intersex people in Russia, in worst case, they don't even know the truth about their body and medical interventions they received, often without their own consent. And it was me for many years. Mm-hmm. And I would say that in the good case, they do know the truth about their bodies and medical interventions they received. but only in a medicalized way, you know, like a sickness, disease that they have and they don't know the non-pathologizing uh, approach to intersect things that our community has. They don't know that there is a whole community of us around the world fighting for our rights. There is a whole lot of things that needs to be done in Russia and it's scary, you know, when there are very few of us and we have the medical system of like the largest country in the world and country that is so heteronormative and where the gender norms are so strong, you know, mm-hmm. so, yeah, this is challenging, but it's also, it's making me angry sometimes, which helps me to do things sometimes, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I'm just thinking that sort of, you know, it's, daunt- it's challenging, it's daunting, but it's certainly, you know, it's also very inspiring uh i'm where you know where are you receiving any positive support
1: um i would say from first of all other sex activists Mm -hmm. i've met so many amazing people in like last two years oh my god i've made so many amazing friends and plus in general when i'm doing like an interview or something even though it's usually anonymous with just my name or something. Still, there is so much support in the comments and I've actually received comments like, oh, I've never heard about this, but now I know and now I won't do surgeries on my intersex babies if I, if I ever have any, you know, in the future. And it's so amazing. I mean, of course, you do get your share of uh, hateful comments, especially on YouTube. Like, there is no, like, joke or, like, disgusting things that you can tell to me that I haven't heard right. so yeah it's um, it's all fine now so yeah, there is like a lot of support a lot of exciting stuff and non-exciting stuff helps too for example I have a whole playlist on YouTube Uh, That is called how not to talk about intersex people and I've collected there and I'm still collecting Videos of how intersex people are being talked about on like Russian Ukrainian television Mm -hmm. And you know the worst examples like Hermaphrodite, not a man, not a woman, horrible tragedy, horrible story and just it's just so hilarious to watch all of this But also very sad so yeah I watch it sometimes just to get angry and to get you know this kind of rush that
0: will help me imagine. I understand that. Yeah, YouTube comments are, are particularly depressing. Or Oh, yeah. Yeah, that seems to be common across languages and across countries. Uh, but, yeah, I, um, I mean, you mentioned the Human Rights Watch report that just came out. I haven't had it. I just downloaded it today. It only came out yesterday. Um, but sort of particularly targeting, yeah, you know, encouraging U.S. doctors to stop performing medically unnecessary surgeries that could, you know, assign a gender that, you know, try to normalize, quote unquote, babies, um, and sort of back you know, urging insurance companies not to, uh, pay for such surgeries and so on. Um, I know that Amnesty International also came out with a report about intersex children, uh, yes. in Europe, I think focused on Denmark and Germany, uh, with similar reports about the long-term consequences for, the the, uh, the children who grew up surviving these surgeries and the consequences. Um, what kind of conversations, you know, have you seen about uh, uh, the human rights report? Watch is brand new, so there probably hasn't been much reaction yet. But what kind of uh, difference do you think these human rights groups are making for intersex activists? Uh,
1: you are absolutely correct. Like everything you said about this. Uh, I'm actually impressed that you know about this report, it's so awesome, but uh, I would say that it is crucial and it is important to have support of uh, such huge organizations mm-hmm. to have our rights actually recognized by the UN and uh, Human Rights Watch and Amnesty International and the governments, which hopefully will be the next step, mm-hmm. because these are really horrible human rights violations that are still happening since like the 1950s and it's not being talked about enough like for example there is a huge similarity between intersex genital mutilations yes those normalizing surgeries on intersex kids Mm -hmm. and female genital mutilation which is which are basically kind of the same thing you know like just non-consensual unnecessary uh, interventions on completely healthy bodies and female female i'm sorry (laughs) female genital mutilation is like talked about and it is recognized as a a human rights violation but intersex genital mutilation is not talked about enough it's not known enough even though i would say that it's done as often or probably even more often around the world uh, for so many years But since the doctors say that no, it's for your own good, you will not be able to live with a kind of non-binary body, you know, you have to be like male or female, you know, and that's it's for your own good. So yeah, definitely it is crucial to talk about these things and to work on stopping them.
0: As I've launched Radio Freak Utopia, I've been aware of how being an English-language podcast limits the stories that I can tell, at least for now. Also, working in human rights here in Washington, D.C., where activists from around the world are visiting all the time, I've seen firsthand how important English-language skills are for getting in the room with organizations and political leaders who may have resources to help those activists on the ground back at home. All throughout our conversation— Irene and I kept coming back to the topic of speaking about intersex issues in English as opposed to in Russian or in Ukrainian.
1: Again, it is the problem how many people in Russia do not speak English and they do not have access to intersex-related information. And like, for example, right now, there are translations, interviews, articles which in Russian language about intersex stuff, and most of them have featuring me which is yeah. awesome yeah. <laughs> but yeah that stuff reading really is to be created because people most people here do not speak English yeah. and on one th- hand it's kind of a cool thing because I can speak all I want about intersect stuff in English and people from my country won't understand me, <laughs> wouldn't be able to understand me yeah. <laughs> so it's much actually easier for me to talk about all of this in English
0: interesting
1: I Yes, I made a video earlier this year when I was talking about all of this in Russian and I had to start speaking in Russian and suddenly it all got real, it got scary and people from my country suddenly could understand me and it was (laughs) so scary and much more difficult and at one point I actually switched to English and I didn't even notice it because it's so much easier to actually talk about it in English and like there are uh, actual there is kind of like an intersex narrative, you know, there are phrases in English which are often used, and I know how to talk about it, but in Russia, you kind of have to often invent terms, invent the way you translate specific words, invent your own way of saying Mm -hmm. some specific things when it comes to that kind of activism, so yeah, it is challenging.
0: Wow. Have you had the chance to you know, talk at all in Ukrainian to Ukrainian a- uh, a- audiences or even in English to Ukrainian audiences?
1: Uh, no, like I said, I only did one, give, gave one interview to Gay Alliance Ukraine, which are one of the, I think, the only Ukrainian LGBT organization that are sharing information and news on the topic of intersex So, Not yet, but in Ukraine, there is an amazing organization called Egalite or Egalite Intersex Ukraine, mm-hmm. and they're, uh, providing, uh, translations. They recently published their first intersex re- brochure in English, Russian, and Ukrainian, which is super cool.
0: Oh, great. And I should say for our audiences, since this was before I turned on the microphone, Irene, uh, grew up in both Russia and Moscow, in Russia, excuse me, in both Russia and Ukraine. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and, um, uh, Divides her time between Moscow and Lviv, uh, in western Western Ukraine. Correct?
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: Okay, so the so, context for that conversation.
1: Yes, of course. Like I kind of live my entire life in, in in both countries. I wish I could spend more time in Ukraine, but now there is that there is a war between my countries for several years now. It has become more difficult. You know, like, for example, there is no air connection between two countries, so I have to fly to Belarus and then from Belarus I'm flying to Ukraine and the same way I'm flying back.
0: I think that for a lot of, at least in the United States and perhaps, you know, Western Europe, there are a lot of LGBT organizations that are still trying to figure out where intersex fits in to an LGBT agenda. Uh, so I guess I have two questions related to that, one of which is sort of how has that conversation been between intersex r- activists in Russia and the broader LGBT Russian movement. Uh, let's tackle that one first.
1: Uh, I would say that in Russia, many LGBT organizations are excited to include intersex stuff, and sometimes there are too excited, sometimes often, not sometimes, but... <laughs> Sometimes organizations actually include the I, like in the title or somewhere, like we're LGBTI now, but they're not actually doing any intersex related work, they don't have any intersex staff, they don't do any intersex related work and this is not okay because you shouldn't do anything about us without us, you know, but yeah, mostly they are excited to do it, they are helpful. words in English, I need <laughs> to remember, okay, <laughs> <laughs>
0: they're helpful, great, no.
1: yeah, they are helpful, and, like, all the public talks I've done in Russia and, like, post-Soviet countries have been in uh, LGBT spaces for now, mm. whether it's, like, conference or a movie screening or anything, it was provided and organized by LGBT organizations for now, so they are an amazing ally and... They are happy to support us, but often they do not know how because there are very few intersex activists here and just people, intersex people in general, who know that they're intersex and there is not enough information. But, yeah, like, they are trying to help, and I really, really appreciate it, and, like, I would have been nowhere without them, of course.
0: Fantastic. I mean, I think those conversations are still pretty early in the United States and elsewhere. So I don't think that's just Russia. At least that's my impression. um, That those of us who've worked on LGBT issues are warning the language. And and what's you know, you know, to move from the abstract to you know, what would you say to um, anyone who questions you know why this is part of a broader agenda about sexual orientation, gender identity, and expression? Why are intersex rights fundamental to that agenda? I mean, especially as you've sort of, ex- just in terms of your own journey, perhaps. Uh,
1: it's a very good question. I would say that uh, all the people that are united and all of this alphabet soup, LGBTQIAP and so on, uh, what connects us is that we do not fit into that typical, very traditional image of like transsexual, cisgender, non-intersex, like monosexual, Mm -hmm. male and female together like forever and nothing else, you know? And that any kind of variance that is related to your uh, sex futuristics or gender identity or uh, sexual orientation, uh, that is different in any way. I think we would only win if we stand in this together. So it's kind of hard to describe, Mm -hmm. but I would say, yeah, that if you don't fit into this heteronormative image in some way, that yeah, you, yeah. Uh, What
0: else do we think, what else do you think uh, we should know about your journey, you know, know, as an, an intersex person, as an intersex activist?
1: I would say the topic of coming out as intersex. For example, mm. I'm not publicly out as intersex yet. I'm hoping to be, but it's difficult. Meaning that, for example, if you're gay, you can just say, I'm gay. And that's it. Everyone knows. Everyone understands. But if you're intersex, when, when you're coming out, you need to, to read a long lecture to everybody. Mm. About like what it is like how to call us and not to call us, like what my body is like, like what our community is fighting for. So it's a lot more complicated in that sense. And especially in Russia, I don't know how people are going to react. Maybe I would be killed, I don't know. But if I would be, it's going to be great for intersex awareness. (laughs) No, but, you know, you never know what kind of reaction would you get because people do not know about this. People only know about, like, mythical hermaphrodites, which Mm -hmm. have like two sets of genitals or something, which is not possible in humans. So yeah, while you're coming out, you're also always educating people on that point, on that topic, and Mm -hmm. why it is so crucially important,
0: I think. Great, thank you. Um, Where can people learn more about your work, about Intersex Russia?
1: Uh Intercept Russia has a page on Facebook. I definitely will give you a link.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we are gonna have a website soon too. Uh, just today we started our YouTube channel and there's gonna be exciting stuff on it in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the future. Fantastic. Sorry. <laughs> okay. So yeah, there's gonna be a lot more stuff on our YouTube channel in the future too. Uh, And there are so many amazing intersex organizations, like for example, apart from Intersex Russia, I'm also a member of Interact Youth, Mm -hmm. which people from that actual organization took part in that BuzzFeed video, so it is such kind of, I've come full circle, and now I'm one of them, and it's (laughs) amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah, there is a lot of information available, and for example, I have personally collected the biggest collection of intersect related videos on the internet. (laughs) Seriously, currently there are like 340 videos right now, or even more. I also can give you the link, which is like the best place to go if you want to watch something. Absolutely. Uh, I just wanted to say how important it is to instruct people to know the truth about our bodies because often like doctors would say that you will not survive if you discover the horrible truth you know you wouldn't have like a typical male or female stable gender identity if you discovered the truth but in reality no one can be happy when the truth about their body or the medical interventions they receive without their consent is being kept secret from them because the person will still know that something is out, that something is different. And you just can't be happy when this is happening. And uh, I'm like kind of the bad example a person who has a lot of kind of like personal issues and social anxiety because of these seven years of secrecy. So, yeah, on my personal experience, I would say that you do not want. your children to grow up like me you do not want to keep the truth about themselves because they won't be happy no matter how you try to hide it and for example I currently do not talk to my father because he told me that he kept everything secret from me on purpose and that he won't apologize and that he did the right thing even after I told him that he destroyed my life And he also said that he should have thrown my medical records in the trash. So I would never see them. So I would never blame him. So, yeah, and I kept blaming him. And at some point, I think he blocked my phone number. I'm not sure, but I think he did. So, yeah, I never talked to him since. or never seen him since. And I have no regrets. Uh, So, yeah, like, do not keep secrets from your intersex children. It is not such a... Horrible thing that we wouldn't survive knowing. No, what is horrible is what's being done, done to us, when we're being normalized and the just being kept secret from us.
0: Yeah. One, no, thank you, thank you so much. I uh, mean, one of the questions I'm asking everyone is, how do you take care of yourself as an activist? And it sounds like at least part of the answer for you is sort of being open to the best that you're able to, uh, that yeah, you know, sort of walking away from the shadows, walking away from the secrecy is critical to taking care of yourself.
1: Yeah. So my God, absolutely. It is so empowering and probably one of the most empowering things I've ever done that in Moscow we had a screening of the movie Ariana about an intersex girl mm-hmm. and I was invited to participate and talk about after it, after the movie. Mm-hmm. And so watching the movie was very emotional because it kind of was similar in some ways to my own story. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, don't cry, don't cry. You have to talk after it. And so I was invited on stage. I was very nervous. But when I started talking, the audience was so nice, so amazing, so welcoming. Mm-hmm. And they were so interested in the topic. And I've actually never felt more confident in my entire life. Oh, wow. Like. Yes, yeah, seriously, just speaking about the topic, speaking about my story and receiving all this amazing support from people, it really was amazing. Yeah, because like in Russia, uh, people don't know about this stuff and even in LGBT community, people mostly don't know about this stuff. So this is why it's important. And uh, talking about other specific differences that we have here is of course the strong gender norms that we have here so doctors are very keen on you knowing that you're a normal boy or normal girl which was just like little thing that needs to be fixed but you're normal you're a boy you're a girl and also in russia if you're intersex and transgender you cannot transition officially wow because yes when you're getting your uh trans no, no how it's called transsexualism yes diagnosis here part of it is um checking your hormones and your chromosomes and if they found that there is something different that you are intersex you will not officially be allowed to transition i think it's the same in ukraine and as i've heard one Our Ukrainian doctor talked about it on TV, he said that like people like you, people with your diagnosis will never have a stable gender identity and so what if we allow you to transition and then you will regret it and then you would kill yourself or something like who would take responsibility for that? Doctors usually don't, so we don't allow it. So that's kind of it and like I personally know people who are intersex and transgender and how tough it is for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also in Russia, intellectual are officially considered a disability, so you can get a pension for it, you know, money, but again, nobody ever told me that I could get it. Nobody ever even told me the truth about my body in the first place. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, we've covered a lot of great ground today, I appreciate it immensely.
1: Oh, my God, of course. It's my pleasure.
0: I'm very excited, and I'm very confident that the people listening to the podcast will be learning a lot and getting a lot out of this conversation.
1: I really hope so, and I really encourage everyone to get educated on topic of intersex because there is a lot, there are a lot of interest people out there, there are just as many of us as there are people with red hair, and everybody has met someone with red hair, so probably they have met an intersex person too, they just don't know it, and maybe the intersex person didn't know themselves that they're intersex, Mm -hmm. because, again, like, often it's being kept secret from us, unfortunately.
0: This conversation by conversation, you know, changing what people know and how people think about it.
1: Yes, because... Uh, most of medical interventions that sex people and infants are receiving have no uh, medical necessity. They are completely unnecessary. But uh, we used to be called like pseudo-hermaphrodites. Right. But in like 2006 the terminology was changed to disorder of sex development because they actually kind of had the name to have the word disorder, so they kind of could justify that the fact that they want to have us fixed, you know, that in intersex it's like something that needs to be fixed, which it's not, and we're completely normal and natural, and there are so many of us all around the world. And we always existed, like uh, an intersex activist, Pigeon Pagonis, said that probably there were even intersex dinosaurs back in the day. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's also imagining it.
0: That's, that's a thought. Fascinating. Cool. Is anything else that you, about your experience that we should cover before we call it a day?
1: Uh, I would say that, for example, for me, uh, dating has become more difficult because mm. now you know the thing about yourself and you don't know how people are going to react to it, you know? So that's interesting
0: too. Sure enough, I believe I, I, I can just begin to imagine. It makes me think about the things I take for granted in any given interaction. That because I'm not intersex, I don't have that I can take for granted.
1: Yes, and like for example, like men in Russia have very fragile uh, masculinity and heterosexuality. So. I never know how they would react. You know, they would be like, "Oh, XY chromosomes, so you're a man, okay?" Like, no, are you calling me gay? You know? <laughs> okay, you know, know what kind of reaction would you get? Like in general, I would say the reactions I get in Russia it can can be divided into like three groups. Like one group is like, like chromosomes, German, everything. Like no matter how you look, no matter that you can even have children. No, you have a Y chromosomes. Like you're a man. Like, Okay, sure. (laughs) And the second group are like, it doesn't matter what kind of chromosomes you have, like you look like a girl, then you're a girl. And no matter like how I identify, like you're a girl. It's all about how you look. And I would say the third group are people who understand that I'm an intersex person and that this is how I also identify. And yeah, like how person identifies, this is who they are.
0: Yeah and it does sound like you're finding more people who are ready to you know, ready to listen to who you say you are rather than to come in with their preconceptions, but it's a slow change.
1: Definitely, and I'm just being lucky if I will you know talk about like national television here in Russia, which is controlled by the government. I don't think that the reactions I would get from like regular people would be as positive. But, of course, this is why we need to talk about this more and educate people. Yeah. Right.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Step-by-step, conversation-by-conversation.
1: Definitely, because it won't stop until the intersex awareness would be like really high and intersex would become a household name, household world, mm-hmm. word. Oh, my God. but I don't know which even would happen in my lifetime but I really hope that at least something will change because I feel so lucky that I was so young when I discovered the truth I was 22 and I kind of found my life purpose of course like I'm not a full-time activist I have like a regular daytime job but also have my activism and it's kind of so amazing knowing that there is something that needs to be changed in the world that you kind of are connected with and that you kind of can change something. And I'm already doing it, and it's an amazing feeling.
0: Thanks for listening to my conversation with Irene. Check out the episode notes for links to Intersex Russia's Facebook page to the website for Interact, and to the Human Rights Watch and Amnesty International reports on intersex rights that Irene and I discussed. As always, please subscribe to Radio Freak Utopia on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you've been enjoying Radio Freak Utopia, please take a moment to write a review. Those reviews really do help us get more listeners. That's it for this episode. See you in two weeks.